Hi, Jeff Lawton here. And Sam Parker-Davies. And welcome to the Probiotic Club. This podcast is where we explore the intricate relationships between human health, soil health, and ecological systems. Join me now for another exploratory conversation on the probiotic life. Welcome, welcome once again to The Probiotic Life. I'm your host, Ben Klenner. Well, today on the show, I'm excited to bring to you the interview with Jeff Lawton and Sam Parker-Davies. And uh, this one is a great one. I really enjoyed talking to these guys. Uh, And if you don't know Jeff Lawton, uh, he is one of the most well-known permaculture teachers in the world. Um, based here in Australia, over on the East Coast, um, in a place called the Shannon, which is uh, not too far away from Byron Bay. So we talk about permaculture in this one, and I'm really excited to share this interview because um, Jeff has been around for a while. He's been in the permaculture scene almost since the very beginning. Um, And Sam Parker-Davies is uh, 20 years old and is only been around for a couple of years in the permaculture scene. And so we have this really cool diversity even in this episode. So I actually didn't realize that we were, I was going to be interviewing both of them, but um, Jeff and Sam are doing all their interviews together. And in fact, they have their own radio show, uh, which you can find. I've got a link to their Facebook page and they have their, show, their um, shows archived. It's called The Permaculture Circle. So check that out. That's in the in the show notes. Uh, so this episode is all about permaculture. I asked them about how they got each of them got into permaculture, uh, and asked them to explain from their both their unique perspectives what is permaculture, and then we start to talk a little bit about where they are at the moment, um, which is Zaytuna Farm. So this is a really cool place that Jeff started off with, I think it was about 24 years ago, but he'll explain to you a little bit about that. But it's a permaculture farm and where the Permaculture Research Institute is based out of. So we talk about that and then we really get into a great discussion about uh, creating abundance. So that really takes up the majority of the interview. Um, So permaculture And I really love how permaculture and the philosophies behind permaculture really tie into living a probiotic life. So this is more of like a practical uh, way that you can live a probiotic life is to get involved in permaculture. And before we actually get into this interview, I want to share a few other little cool things with you. Uh, you might have remembered from last episode with Jeff Lohenfels, he was talking about this thing called the microbiome meter. And I thought, wow, this is cool. I need to get my hands on one of these. And I actually reached out to these guys there um, at microbiometer.com and I set up a promo with them. So you can now purchase this cool little thing called a microbiome meter. And if you purchase it with a promo code probiotic life, then you get $10 off your purchase and I get a bit of a kickback to support the podcast. So let me share a little bit about uh, the microbiome meter with you. It's basically a, a soil sample kit, soil test kit. It comes with um, some extraction vials, uh, a special test card that you use. You put these, once you've made a, a liquid solution, you put some drops on here and then you use your smartphone to analyze the drops and it will be able to tell you um, the microbial biomass of the liquid solution. So it comes with um, all the little bits and pieces you need, a little whisker, a soil sifter, um, a soil sampler, and some pipettes as well. So I'm really keen to get my hands on one of these, and you can get your hands on one as well at microbiometer.com. Use the promo code probioticlife and get $10 off your purchase 
and I believe they ship worldwide or free shipping to US, Canada, UK and Australia. So why would you want to use one of these? Well, that, the reason why I want to have one of these is to use it at Perth City Farm. And I thought I might just share a little bit about what I'm actually doing at Perth City Farm. And what I'm doing with most of my time these days is working at Perth City Farm. It's uh, an urban farm and education centre. And I'm in charge of the soil centre or building the soil centre. i am uh, got lots of different things going on, doing processing all the compost. We get all of the food scraps from the cafe there. Um, and we're building up, building a system around the whole composting area and changing it into an educational area. So it's not just the back end of the farm, but it's a place where people can come and learn about composting and learn about soil. So that's why I'm so fired up about it. And also implementing some Korean natural farming techniques. You've probably heard me go on about Korean natural farming before. And the reason why I like it so much is because it's the philosophy behind it and it's really simple to do. Uh, it just takes the, uh, the effort to put in to actually do it. So uh, we've got indigenous microorganisms brewing up or fermenting more like it. We're fermenting IMO, that, that they call it, IMO, indigenous microorganisms. And this is something that we can inoculate the soil with. And that's one of the reasons why I want to have the microbiometer so I can test the soil before we inoculate it and after we inoculate it. We're also making things like uh, lactobacillus serum. We call it labs. Uh, I bought 60 litres of milk a little while ago and uh, and we uh, s- fermented that basically, separated that into curds and whey and the whey is full of lactobacillus. So we're gonna, we've been using that around Perth City Farm, using it in the chooks, uh, soak their whole um, ground in the chook pens and really what it does is the labs gets in there and breaks down all the fecal matter that's left over and cleans up the ground. The labs in Korean natural farming, the labs is called the police. They come in, the the Korean natural farming police come in and they clean up everything. And then after that, you can start to apply indigenous microorganisms. So yeah, that's one of the things that I've been doing to um, increase my probiotic living increase living living a probiotic life. Uh, I'm also actually going to a mushroom cultivation workshop and I'm really keen to share a bit more about that. Once I've done that, I'll share with you. Um, but the reason why I like mushrooms is I think they fit really well into living a probiotic life, you know, bioremediation, uh, using them for food and medicine. And it's something that we can learn from, the mycelium that we can learn from. So those are a couple of things that I'm doing to live a probiotic life. Uh, If you like hearing about them, I might just share a few more updates about what I'm doing. And uh, yeah, hopefully that inspires you. But let's get on to this interview. Now, the audio isn't great in this conversation. They were just using their built-in laptop mic. So not great audio, but the conversation is fantastic. And I didn't want to cut any of the parts out. So... I clean it up as much as possible. And here is the interview with Jeff Lawton and Sam Parker Davies. Today on The Probiotic Life, we have uh, two fantastic permaculture designers here with with me today, Um, Jeff Lawton and Sam Parker Davies. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks. Good to be here. And uh, it's been very interesting in this uh, this podcast. You know, we're talking all about uh, creating life around us uh, from the from the microscopic level um, out to you know um, entire systems. And today, I'm really excited to talk to you guys about uh, systems and system t- design. Uh, but would you share with us a little bit about um, where you are and uh, what? both of you, what sort of got you into permaculture in the first place? Yeah, we're at uh, Zaytuna Farm, which is uh, a permaculture demonstration site and education centre, uh, which is also um, the uh, 
um, Centre for the Permaculture Research Institute. And um, I first got into uh, permaculture in 1980 uh, when I was introduced to it on the Sunshine Coast and the largest permaculture group at the time uh, was Permaculture Nambour. Um, had 150 members. It was the largest permaculture group in the world at the time. Max Lindegger, the uh, designer of Crystal Waters, was the champion of that group. And um, it kind of... Um, it sort of re reignited my old hippie um, interests of self-sufficiency. As I was 16 and 1970, I lived through the 70s um, when we dreamed about um, alternative living, but that was in England. And when I emigrated to Australia in 1979 and um, realised that I might actually be able to earn enough money to buy a farm in this big, broad, underpopulated country, um, it was, uh, it was great synchronicity, so I started to get involved, and I've been involved ever since. And I got involved in permaculture not that long ago at all, really, but um, about a tenth of my life ago, um, when I was 18, so that's only two years ago. Um, I, got, I ran for my local council, and um, sort of on this very chapter 14 for the designer's manual sort of bent, of um, empowering the community and recognising the diversity of the community um, as a self-organising, self-governing um, situation. And it caught the attention of a local permaculture teacher called Bruce Bastion, um, who's very into social permaculture and changing the story, changing um, how we're governing this earth um, through its people and through the environment. Mm. And then took a um, permaculture design course with um, her, Liz Bastion, and Rosemary Morrow. Um, was extremely inspired. I found out that um, my nana had taken a PDC with Rosemary Morrow on her first PDC that she taught. Um, so it was a bit of a generational pattern. And it sparked something in my memory of um, being in year eight um, in quite a depressed state and watching um, this video that my geography teacher showed me about this crazy man over in Jordan, um, greening some arid patch of land and turning it into a forest. And here we are now. <laughs> yeah, and here, here we are now. <laughs> <laughs> Sit <next to> that's <laughs> awesome. That You know, that's been uh, something that I've sort of had in the back of my mind for a while, well, years actually, of, of uh, this guy, Jeff Lawton, and this, this idea of permaculture. And, you know, interesting that we've had uh, all these people that, are, that I've talked to on the probiotic life, but no one necessarily talking specifically about permaculture. So um, from your perspective, or Sam, we'll start with you, your perspective, how do you define permaculture? Um, I see permaculture as a way of looking for balance. Um, it's a design system, whether that's applicable. Um, we focus really heavily on, um, on earth systems on how we can design landscapes, mm. which is essential work in this time because it's what um, mothers us, what gives us food, what gives us water, um, and is our basic needs. And if we don't have those met, then we can't meet anything else. Um, but now we're also recognising and realising that um, in order for large-scale change to happen, that uh, the people systems also need to be um, understood and focused on. And with the same patterns of a permaculture design mindset, we can shift these people systems into creating abundance in our connections and in our lives, um, creating really positive change in this planet. I see permaculture design as um, a real whole systems approach to how we can create the best lives on this earth. Okay, so whole system. So, so permaculture could actually really um, not just affect our physical environments, but our emotional and in, uh, spiritual environments as well. Yeah, for sure. But um, being, of course, being grounded in um, yeah, in all, all three. But the physical environment needs to be established in order for that to to ripple out. Right. Okay. Um, and th that sort of leads me into, uh, Jeff, I've heard you talk about at, d at the edge of understanding, the edge of systems design, 
there is a place where we don't really um, know what's there, but there, but it seems like permaculture is still applicable in that sort of place at the edge of our understanding. Yeah, it's only at the edge that you have uh, productive surplus or, or sustainable surplus that you can harvest. So on the edge of our understanding is the ultimate opportunity for uh, um, design harmonics. Mm, okay. Um, so let, let's just go through a little bit about Zaytuna Farm. So we, we heard a little bit about permaculture. Zaytuna Farm, how did that actually start and, and what's the progression been there of, of building the outside edges? You don't want my, my definition of permaculture? No, I'm too crusty. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I don't want <laughs> Crusty's good sometimes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, of course, Jeff, yes. <laughs> Let's go around the edge of the definition then. Yeah. Um, so my definition of permaculture is it's an ethical design science that can provide all the basic needs for humanity while benefiting the global environment and nurturing it towards abundance. And that leads to um, an evolution of human humanity. And it's possibly the final evolutions of our human minds where we grow an extra thin cortex layer beyond our reading and writing cortex expansion we had a little while ago where we started to actually describe the world in, in written and numer numerical terms give us that final ethical design mind twist and it's a beneficial turn and twist and harmonic that allows us to evolve into being the most beneficial species on this planet which is the absolute opposite where we are right now. So mm. going to the opposite pole, and it's the harmonic pole, not the chaotic pole. Mm, okay. I like that word that you use, harmonic. How do you, what do you mean when you say harmonics? I mean flow, when we get in the flow. So a good musician doesn't read music. He plays music and it just flows. A dancer doesn't follow a, a, a top of the top of the top. Somebody who's at the top of their game as a sportsman, a dancer, an athlete, a surfer, you know, any of these people right, that get to the top of their game, they don't think anymore. They just tap into the flow. And what permaculture designers do is that if they tap into the harmonic flow, it becomes beneficial for all the other people, all the people, and, of course, because we're part of the environment. So the, the ethics of earth care and people care and return of surplus, they're, 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 all, they're all totally connected. Like you can't have one without the other because at that point you tap into that design mind flow and it has to start with it. Mm. Mm. And so how, how do you see that um, spreading throughout uh, – I guess, human consciousness, that, that idea of harmonics, the idea of flow, how is that going to spread through uh, human consciousness? As an infection, and it's a terminal infection, there's no recovery. So sort of like a virus, but, but in a beneficial way. Absolutely. They're very, they're, um, there's many probiotic viruses that are beneficial. Mm. Mm -hmm. it, it reminds me of, you know, I've just been learning about um, mushrooms and mycelium and learning how to inoculate grain and all that sort of stuff. It seems like at the moment fungi are the ultimate uh, ecosystem creators, but in the same way we could be doing that uh, with ourselves. Yeah, it's an inoculation of, of humanity. And, and when we realize that we just have to relax and accept that and it becomes um, it, it becomes something where we're, we, we just we just go with the flow mm -hmm. actually I mean it just rolls it just becomes something that's that's automatic 
and, and, and you know, it's just it's just our standard behaviour from that point onwards. And then we, we continue to live in abundance. And, it, and we have no, no concept of how um, abundant it can be, way beyond anything that's ever, ever been before. I see fungi as a great um, parallel and metaphor that you brought up. Uh, I think looking at how uh, it's, it's infinitely interconnected, fungi, like it, it can biggest organism um, that we, we can measure or know um, alive on this earth, organisms stretching acres and acres, interconnecting trees that are connected and reliant upon each other just as a permaculture design with a landscape or with a society would do, um, constantly redistributing um, nutrient from big trees to smaller trees, um, redistributing wealth from think bankers to um, impoverished people, redistributing the surplus of um, too many cabbages to people who don't grow food through the form of sauerkraut or whatever else. Uh, I think, yeah, fungi is a fantastic metaphor. Mm, mm-hmm. So let's let's take that idea of of the metaphor and and I mean permaculture seems like it's a great metaphor in in many ways, but down to the the practical, what does that what does like abundant living look like on Zaytuna Farm? Huh. You can answer that one, Sam. You were new introduction. You've seen it from where it is at the moment. I I started at the beginning. Um. Okay, so we've got quite a few systems here which all give, uh, depending on your diet, you can live 100% off what we create at the Farm. Um, and Sam definitely does. Yeah, I do. <laughs> um, so there's pretty much fruit all year round, um, which is a big percentage of what I'm eating. Um, there's abundant greens, salads, um, all sorts of vegetables getting pumped out of our main crop system. We've got food forests, um, got main crop, um, and in, in between the food forests we have ducks that go through and they kind of mow down the ground, plaster it with their poop, um, and they're splashing around, mucking it about so we can come in and um, plant along behind them. And we've got chickens turning our compost for us that we come and complete for them every morning. And we put all the compost that those chickens are messing around in on the bed so that we get really high quality um, probiotic covered in microbial life food um, that we can feed to our guts, um, inoculating us for a better life. Mm. A lot of fish, our own drinking water from uh, rainwater, our own electricity, um, our own compost toilets, our own rebate grey water, uh, no connections to the outside world except all these people that <laughs> keep arriving, wind up, come, like here, <laughs> come here and make mistakes uh, while we forgivingly try and give them good direction. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of things happening. Mr. Nampers just got put in, which I'm pretty excited about. Um, we've got a nursery, which is a system that I'm in at the moment, looking after little trees to get put into the food forest. We don't, um, unless given as gifts or um, <laughs> I go went and bought a jackfruit and we propagated all those seeds. So I guess we kind of buy seeds through interns going and buying fruit. Um, cows. Cows. Horses. Mm-hmm. Rabbits. Lots of fish. Um, and enormous amounts of wildlife. Ridiculous. And we have an incredibly loud dawn chorus. 112 bird species on count so far. Started off with 53 in... Uh, um, 2001. And we'll have a fungi lab soon. And we have bees oh, on bees. the way, flow hives. Yeah. Uh, and lots of compost worms, lots of compost worm farms. We even have a maggot farm. <laughs> wow, very cool. So you, you really are creating life all around you. We, we serve 30,000 meals a year on average from our commercial kitchen to the... Uh, uh, volunteers, students, staff, and visitors. Mm, okay, and and so how does that work? Having all the those those volunteers there, you know, I'm uh, at the moment working at Perth City Farm, and we have some uh, paid part time staff, and then lots of volunteers. 
Um, it seems like it's always um, evolving and growing and changing because people are moving through all the all the time. Is that the same sort of idea at Zaytuna? Kind of. You 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 come you come intending to stay for a while. Um, what is it? Six months or a year? Uh, it depends. Depends. Mm. It really depends. <laughs> you got to stay more than a month, haven't you? Mm. Yeah. A month or more. Yeah, I'm just the itinerant teacher, really. I just float through the system a little bit. And I'm a new <laughs> Lord, there's lots of uh, resources in people that keep arriving, and they're very high-quality people, and we have a pretty high standard. And a lot of people come and they want to stay um, for a few months, and other people just want to stay permanently. And if they're, uh, if they're good and they can get on with other people and they get stuck in, they can stay. Uh, permanently, but we only have 10 to 12 volunteers here at a time, so it's a short list. Um, so people um, need to, you know, the ones who want to stay uh, are sort of taking up spaces. Um, and, and we work quite hard. We, we start work at six in the morning at the moment, the main crop. We do a couple of hours, we always do a couple of hours before breakfast. Mm. Then we work through till about five in the afternoon, but we take a break in the middle of the day. And when it's really hot, we take a slightly longer break and finish it a little bit later. Some people do a shift at the weekend and don't do much, just do the basics of animals and, and irrigation and nursery. But um, it's uh, just just uh, very basics on Saturday and Sunday. And, and if we don't have a course on, uh, many m- many of us do a Friday afternoon off. Mm. So we do a four-and-a-half-day week. Um, but we start quite early. And um, everybody loves what they do. There's uh, um, cropping systems. Um, in the morning, we have main crop and kitchen garden and food forest. Um, and then we have people on crops for the, um, the rest of the day and some people on food forest the rest of the day and some people in nursery and some people in large animals. Um, and um, wherever the um, compost is being made in the main crop, the main crop, people do that and if it's in the kitchen garden the kitchen people do that mm, so so does uh one person head up each area and then they have volunteers that come in um with them kind of there's kind of a tag team yeah uh, kind of like a mix and match at the moment with some longer term um volunteers being here there can be um new um volunteers kind of come in and then get paired up with people that know the system um, but I've got a bit of a privilege at the moment. I'm working with someone who knows, um, like sometimes you get paired with someone that knows the system and you, you kind of know the system where you've um, been, been working together for a while. They can start bouncing and have a good repertoire. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's always interesting working with new people and with a constantly changing sort of, um, and evolving human landscape. There's a, there's a long-term people manager. Mm. Who lives on site? I mean, everyone lives on site. Um, and there are some locals that come in part time. There's quite a few that come in part time, and they have particular skills. Like we have someone who's a tree climber and mm. tree lopper, because we have some trees, but we're coppicing and pollarding large trees. Yeah. Um, and then we have one of the long term volunteers is actually a boilermaker, so they're more uh, they're usually the one in the workshop. And then we, uh, we our chef is here during courses, but not when there's in between courses, we share cooking. Mm. Everybody is cleaning um, and um, things like that. So there's there's utilities and, and certain people do, you know, garbage recycling and um, and um, uh, renewable energy checking because we have a massive battery bank and a huge solar system. Uh, you know, so there's utilities. It's not just growing things and animal systems and living systems. There's, you know, electric fencing, solar systems, waste systems, recycling systems, and general cleaning. And, and we all we all organise that and team up and get it done. And mostly it's just after breakfast. And then Friday we do a big clean, like back to sort of hospital clean uh, when there's no courses on. So we come back to scratch and go again all week. Uh, we get everything. If we get everything done by Friday afternoon, Friday Friday lunch, we take Friday afternoon off, and most weekends we have a Friday afternoon added to our weekend. 
Very cool. So, but it sounds like you have um, the systems. They, they, the systems seem to function quite well. Then, yeah. I mean, and then you get big rains in summer, and you know sometimes there's an emergency, and everybody's out there, you know, uh, changing water systems, adjusting spillways, and things. Or, and other times there's a big drought, and another time, and you know, there's extra irrigation having to be checked, and. And then other times, you know, nothing goes perfectly well. You know, we get mechanical failures. We're all helping out on something or animal escapement, <laughs> chasing <laughs> animals around or something. You know, it's a farm. Things go wrong. You know, mm-hmm. tree falls over the top something. We're all going to get out there and clear it up. So we have missions at times. And then we change something and we all team together and do a big mission sometimes. Uh, but generally, we try and keep some... Order. Is that how it is? Yeah, it's been really crazy over the last couple of months. We've got a great team right now. Yeah. Yeah, we've got a great team. We're getting better at teams. Our teams, you arrive and there's a team of really um, switched on people. You you, 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 you generally, you must feel like you've got to pick your game up. Mm. And then we have completely international teams, people from everywhere. Where yeah. are we at the moment? Italy. Argentina. Argentina, Canada. We've actually got the most Australians we've had since I've been here. Um, there was a point where there's more Germans than Australians. <laughs> Those Germans love to travel. Yeah, there's been a time not that long ago where we had more girls than guys. Yeah, those big girls teams, and they were pretty, pretty good. They were they awesome. Were, yeah. Um, now, right at the moment, we only got a couple of girls in the team. Yeah, um, but Lucia, who I think I think she's actually the only girl on the team now. It's, yeah. The ratio is completely shifted, but she makes us all very ashamed of the amount of work we do. <laughs> um, the hardest working person here, I think. You know, this this uh, what what you're describing reminds me of. Um, I used to live in in Canada in Vancouver and spent four summers working at a at a summer camp just off uh, Vancouver Island. And you know, there was about 200 kids coming through each week, uh, but about 30 summer staff. And we spent three months together working pretty hard, in fact, and. Um, the there was a couple of things that really, if you wanted to be part of the team, you know, you had to put in a good effort and have um, the the right kind of mindsets. So I, I'm interested, what sort of mindset do you need to have to really be successful there at Zaytuna? You go first, and then I'll put my little short one. <laughs> <laughs> um, the right mindset, I think, um, is one committed to um, helping the world, to making the world a better place. Um, also committed to growing because um, for a lot of people that come here, they're not used to working. Um, for a lot of them aren't used to working on a farm. A lot of them aren't used to um, being challenged to step up and to, to get to know the system. You have to be willing to grow inside yourself as well, I think. Um, be committed. Um, willing to push through blocks and work very hard um, because the more you can get out of what you're learning and what, what you're being here, then the more you can do to help the world. I think also active, an active learner, one that uses every opportunity to, to learn more skills, to learn a greater understanding of the nature that you're working with, uh, it, it's going to give you the most benefit. But this can be applied everywhere. It's just um, not something that's asked of you everywhere. Um, here you are asked to step up. You are asked to um, empower yourself and be the best version of yourself you can be. Mm. Yeah, and, and that's very well said. <laughs> <That's just right. laughs> Much softer than I would say. But anyway. um, if you do two years here and you take that attitude that Sam just put across there, uh, you, and when you leave, you're, you'll be overemployed for life. You will never be short of what you will have to hide to get away <laughs> from permaculture um, uh, requests to go and help and teach and consult and things like that. But for me, uh, I'm in a different position. So it's been a long journey, um, seeing it from the very beginning. Um, and it's been a journey of uh, dogged persistence, um, uh, patience and tolerance. And... Um, and, and, and allowing evolutions to happen and, and relaxing with those evolutions. Uh, so, um, and, and, and 
and continuously mentoring. You know, I'm continuously having to explain this to people that you must allow your systems to demonstrate their evolutions and then you dynamically adjust and there's no end to this journey. So I'm, I'm in, a, in a mentor teaching position. Um, so it's, it's quite different for me to, to answer that question. Mm -hmm. mm, okay. So uh, what, what are some of the, the projects that are uh, new projects there that are on the go at the moment? Well, the Earthworks course is being finished, so Shenanthas will be one, which is pretty exciting. Um, I've been getting a um, desire for a fungi lab to come together um, for a while, and I'm seeing that come to fruition at the moment as I'm making some good contacts in the local area. Um, I'm helping someone set up a fungi farm. I'm ordering them equipment, so I'll be able to do the same here. There's also just been someone on the Earthworks course who... As someone who's throwing out some um, agar plates, we cool. can start masticating our own um, spawn. It's really exciting. Um, we also have flow hives that just got delivered to us, and we'll be setting them up to get some honey. Can Can you explain uh, to us a little bit about how, how a flow hive works? Okay. Um, so there, it's like. Uh, I guess the biggest difference is that you can flick the switch and that the thing separates and the honey flows out the um, hexagon within the hive, sort of like separates and the honey trickles out so you can just harvest it in a jar rather than having to pull um, slats out. Yeah, the, the queen cell, you know, the, the, the brood chamber at the bottom is the standard and, and above is the flow hive with a, which has, has a split cell system in the middle of each cell. Um, the actual uh, switch splits the set of cells, so you don't you don't remove it to get the honey out. It cracks in the middle, means you don't kill any bees and you don't cap um, any of the wax off, so the bees don't have to create any more, uh, bring in any more wax. And you can take individual cells, which probably often are a different uh, honey uh, because they're, they're filled at different times. So it's an amazing um, invention. And it was invented here in the Shannon in the local community. Very cool. And um, we have um, um, uh, a more... Um, refined chicken tractor on steroids that uh, um, system being developed <laughs> where um, we produce uh, uh, one cubic meter of compost every week um, with about um, 25 to 30 chickens and that um, um, that fertilizes uh, 10 gardens that have um, three 15 meter by 1.2 meter wide beds they're, uh, um, I think, uh, um, a revolution in, in uh, organic uh, small crop gardening mm -hmm. um, and make uh, a very good income for anybody who wants to set them up. I've actually, I'm always making new films. Uh, we're making a new um, Earthworks course film from this Earthworks um, course on the ground. We're making a new online course. Uh, but we also are making an animation plus uh, AutoCAD accurate drawing, um, plus a 3D sketch up and an animation to explain the impact on steroids. And then I've just uh, built, we've just built an urban version of that that works on 16 square metres, has 12 chickens and produces one cubic metre of compost every month of the year. So an urban garden that can spare 16 square metres and be producing one cubic meter of compost a month, 12, compost, 12 cubic meters of compost a year, which revolutionizes any urban garden um, of, of normal size. So that again is being, um, um, it's been drawn up, AutoCAD, uh, SketchUp 3D, and uh, animation in creation, uh, which will be new little movies. So we're making these things all the time. Um, there's always some other things going on. Um, we're, um, we're also um, 
working through a rural land sharing community because um, development approval. We're approved to build seven more houses um, and we're also approved to build five more cabins because our, our uh, education centre and uh, campsite, which is 10 main campsite positions where we have camping shelters for people, for people to camp on, um, can be extended and also have five cabins, which means they can be um, 20 people uh, accommodated at maximum, 20 people in, in cabins. Um, so that's going forward and then we're, we're uh, initiating, starting to initiate um, our uh, seven extra houses, which will be uh, which will make it an eco-farming, permaculture eco-farming hamlet. Um, that's, that's quite a major new move, and it changes the dynamics on the property because there'll be multiple zone ones across the site. Um, and, but there'll still be um, the kitchen garden um, outside our commercial kitchen in the campsite uh, with its showers and compost toilets and large water tanks. Um, so um, yeah, there are all these these uh, things that are on the move in the next year or two. Um, we're always planning forward quite a lot, um, and the um, solar system is being extended so that we can uh, drive a much larger cool room and cheese room. We're ready to do a um, um, hard cheese um, and extended dairy um, herd just a little bit, um, so we can do uh, hard cheese, not just uh, Fast ricotta 24 hour cheese. Um, mm, so, so a ladder. Yeah, there's many things like that that, that are uh, uh, on the way. We don't sell any, any produce, except my daughter's been selling a little bit at the market. She's only eight years old and she's been selling uh, uh, some little tables of super fresh, super high quality vegetables at the Shannon Market once a month. That's just a, a, a fun thing. Some mm. of the interns fun things at the market but we don't do any serious uh, selling of produce or even nursery um, we could but that's not our main game our main game is to produce people to go and um, affect the world with permaculture mm -hmm. there, there's actually a quite a few things I wanted to touch on but first just going back to the the chicken tractors one cubic meter of finished compost a week that's a lot of compost yeah, yeah. Um, if you look at an acre done like this, um, um, it's an equivalent of about 400 cubic metres a year on an acre. That's a lot of carbon going into the soil. So does that mean you're always Onto the prepping prepping beds ahead of the time so that it's ready to use straight away or do you, do you leave it sitting there for a while? No, we're straight on, straight in. We're, 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 we're pulling... How many wheelbarrows of produce come out every day? <laughs> One or two. One or two wheelbarrows of produce every six, five days a week. Wow. And then just dribbles out at the weekend. And that's, and that's not including fruit or herbs. No. Or... And that's, that's, that's been going on for uh, oh, uh, 14 years. 14 years. And the, and the soil continues to get better. It's very hard to put. I mean, we don't dig. Um, we only... Uh, broad fork loosen now, um, but uh, do we? We don't dig, mm. do we? No, we have to dig up potatoes, mm. yeah, sweet potatoes, but root crops. But um, we don't disturb it, and it's hard to put a fork in the ground or or a, 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 a shovel in the ground without killing earthworms. I mean, you, you turn up how many earthworms you reckon at the shovel though? Two or three most of the time. Yeah, all five. I would have said five. Five, yeah, big. Big active earthworms. So you got that many earthworms, um, you got valuable, valuable landscape, and and that's they can only exist if it's oversupplied with beneficial microorganisms because that's what earthworms eat. So the fact that they're there means there's an oversupply, and the fact that they're increasing in number, um, the soil in our main crops gone from a grey sandy loam to a sort of charcoal fudge. Mm. You say? Yep. It's gorgeous. Mm, it's beautiful. Yeah. Mm, mm -hmm. I, I love that that picture. You know, um, I mentioned before, but I'm at Per City Farm developing the soil centre. We got our um, 
our veggie beds or the market garden tested last year for organic matter and we're up to 17% organic matter basically from, if you know anything about um, Perth, is gutless white sand where wow. we're really getting that going. All that organic matter is is getting in there. And now the, now the uh, challenge is what, you know, how do we process all that produce? What do we do with all the, the, uh, the excess of the, the weeds and everything? It's, it's uh, like a, a, the next step in succession of, of growing so much life around you. We put it back through our compost, through the chickens or through the worm farms, and that comes back. And we occupy weed space with cover crop. So we do cover crop and we do use mulch. Um, and everything else is returned through the system. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and we have a lot of people who, who you know, um, they, they, they eat the food. I mean, there's a, a lot of uh, people eat quite, quite a bit of good food here. I imagine uh, very nutrient dense food. Yeah, yeah, and and then we process food into uh, natural ferments and preserves. So there's a lot of um, um, food inoculum. You know, we're inoculating our guts with stuff, um, and then we put um, kelp and minerals through our cows, and their manure goes through a lot of the system. So we we use um, all rock minerals. And um, high quality kelp in the um, in in the dairy cow feed, and, and we put that through all the animal feeds. So a lot of the manures are are mineralising the soil, and that's mineralising our our um, our uh, compost and our, our worm castings, and and um, that's highly mineralising our food and our meat, and um, and um, that all goes through the compost toilets, and that eventually. Um, after quite a bit of standing time as uh, human manure from the compost toilets eventually ends up back on the property. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it sounds like it would be hard to um, not realise that you're connected to nature when you're living off the land, as it sounds um, at Zaytuna Farm. But I'd be interested from for a story from from both of you. Of Was there one instance where you really it, something really clicked like oh i really am connected to everything or i am connected to nature or this is how i'm connected to nature um i, I did ramadan while i was here and i um, i've never felt so aware of the moon cycles being out in a i was sleeping in a swag at the time and each night that I went to sleep, I'd be watching the moon, um, no matter how big or little. And I'd notice it because I'd get up before the sun came up as well. Uh, and I'd never paid so much attention to the moon in my whole life, mm. um, following its whole cycle, what, noticing how it was in different places in the sky, how it rise in different locations or rises at a different time, more, more so. Um of particularly even basic things like getting up in the morning and working before the sun gets up. Sometimes it's warm because there's a cloud cover and sometimes it's really cold. Um, by doing physical labour most of the day uh, in the one place watching seasons go by, I've only been through about like two and a half while I've been here and already that's um on my relationship quite a bit. I'm really looking forward to seeing um, what, as the heat starts coming back, watching the uh, tropical fruit bounce back into life. Mm. Bananas and papayas are looking really sad at the moment. Um, we might have even lost a mango or two, which is pretty sad. Um, no. no? No, just they're, they're tricking you. They're tricking okay. you. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen them bounce back so many times. Yeah, okay. I'm looking forward to watching them bounce back. Mm-hmm. How about you, Jeff? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, I, I've, uh, I, I've, it's, it's like trying to describe your wife. <laughs> um, it's a relationship 
an intimate relationship. In so intimate. Uh, it's, it's not, I was just having this conversation with Sam on another subject before we, while we're waiting for to connection here. It's not endorphin, it's serotonin. No, it's a different level of pleasure. It's not a quick rush. No. Um, so, you know, I, I've done a lot of aid work and, you know, I've lost my sentimentality for any particular area, but. Um, there's nowhere on this planet that I've had so much connection as this farm. Uh, I can share that sort of intimacy that I have. You know, I get up every morning before sunrise and I, I, I file such a pleasure to see the dawn stars if it's not cloudy, which means it's warmer, like Sam said. Mm. Um, and, um, and to hear the dawn chorus and to see fish rise on the dam and all those sort of things. Um, I actually experienced here one of the biggest floods this year. Sam mm. did as well. Uh, Cyclone Debbie, there was a massive hit, enormous, uh, 480 mil of water in 24 hours. Wow. Uh, and we survived gloriously, and it was very dramatic. Um, and then I also went through uh, about eight years ago a 50-year cold snap uh, event where we had minus nine at dawn for six nights in a row. Um and, and that was horrific. Um, but then, you know, old friends of mine who were born in the area said they saw it in 1953, exactly the same. Mm -hmm. um, and that was a pleasure to see, well, I've seen one of those. I might not see another one in my lifetime. Um, and, and that was something to see. And, you know, how that, how, how, how dynamic the, 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 the landscape, the climate, the phenomena, you know, to, to, to relax your way through the phenomena. Um, and, and then, um, you know, I can look back at the site when it was, um, I never, you never take enough before photo. People listening to this, take more before photos. <laughs> take a hundred mm -hmm. and then take another hundred before you think I've got enough. Um, and, and put a time lapse up if you can, because that really, really shows. But I, I can look back on the site and see the trees that we've planted and the trees other people have planted. You know, the people who, who, who have been through the site, uh, who I mean, connected to nature, connected to people, I, I can see the history written in the living landscape by the people who performed those actions. I can see the trees planted by Daniel Sheridan and other people. You know, I can see the dams that, you know, Dave Spicer helped me build. You know, I can see the animal system set up by Salah Hamad. You know, I can see... I can see the names and the faces of, of the people written in the in the living event in the landscape, and and I I just feel so so privileged to have that translation of 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 of, of life expression by design in the place that I live. Um, I couldn't I couldn't be wealthier. It's it's way beyond something the money can buy. Way beyond, and it buys you time. In, in, in your memory, mm. when you look back over the 18 years, it feels like 180 years. And I, I question people on this. I said, when you've been here, you look back on your memories while you were here, how big do they feel? Are they bigger than the actual, that, that amount of time normally feels? Because if it is, something's going well. Mm. When you can mm -hmm. expand your memories in high-quality um, recognition, because you only remember the pain or pleasure of motion as an anchored technicolor, slow motion, high, high def memory. All the boring stuff where you weren't really enjoying your life is just black and white, fuzzy, out of focus, not very high quality uh, memory. And you don't bother remembering. So uh, hopefully, not too much of it is pain. <laughs> my pain, Sam. A little bit of pain. Bit Under fifty percent. <laughs> <laughs> Enough to keep me here. Yeah, no, we're on the right side. <laughs> it's it's sounding, you know, it, uh, Jeff. When you describe that, it, it again, I it brings me back to the the four years that I spent. Uh, working at the on this island, you know, it's forty nine acres, and uh, we had two two bays into the uh, the ocean there, and just you know, watching the the bald eagles fishing, or those those really still nights where you can hear 
um, you know, birds on another island because it's so still. Just those those memories of um, to me, it's it's being in that flow, being connected. It sounds sounds like um, I want to come over and, and visit you guys in Zaytuna. Yeah, we have uh, a, a lot of ospreys at the moment. Uh, often you look up, there's ospreys um, circling uh, more than I've ever yeah. seen. Maybe it's the extra dams. Um, and and we often have wedge tails. Mm. But we and black cockatoos. Uh, yeah, we notice uh, uh, we 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 um, a bird spotting all the time. So we're we're trying to increase uh, uh, well uh, observe the increase. So I I'm carefully. Tried to spot, you know, how many birds were here when I started. It was 53 was my maximum count in the first year, 53 species. And then it slowly went up and I got to about 90 and I thought, well, it slowed down. I don't think I'm going to make it mm. over the 100. And then it shot over the 100 and we're at 112. Um, so that's a sort of sign of, um, um, you know, wildlife abundance. Was there any uh, anything in the landscape that changed that you noticed in in uh, in correlation with that? Well, when when I arrived, there was no house, there was no internal tracks, there was no dams, um, there were no fences that were working inside the property. There was a fence on the road and the north and south boundary, uh, and the cattle. There were cattle fifty three in Herefords on the property, and they were actually going right down to the river as well because we have a um, small creek, Bandry, the Trania Creek. And um, um, now there's 25 dams and there's um, um, three kilometres of swales and there's um, 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 two and a half to three kilometres of cattle laneway and there's thousands and thousands more trees. And there's bands of trees on contour, and this frost doesn't come as high up in the valley. It sits at the bottom on the flats. And it's a different place. Mm. A different mm. place. So we're a magnet for wildlife. But I've noticed that everywhere I put in systems. In Jordan, um, where we're using the same chicken tractor, by the way, and our soil started off like cement dust and rock. Mm. Horrible. Um, um, but um, we we attracted frogs but how do you attract frogs in a desert wow. landscape not doesn't seem at all possible and and then we had tortoises wandering hedgehog uh visit and then a hedgehog this year decided to stay and have babies um and now we've got a family of chameleons i mean really but, yeah which are tree arboreal lizards <laughs> and you look around the landscape there aren't any trees there aren't and there's no water around anywhere if you look at the Sea valley project where we are mm. and you think well this is just a miracle i mean you can understand birds flying in but like how do these other things like a tortoise i mean a, a hedgehog's not a fast moving thing mm. it's the same as the european hedgehog but there's a slight variation on a desert hedgehog in the middle east slightly bigger ears to dissipate heat otherwise it's exactly the same um and i just yeah well Living systems are full of miracles. I think you just have to accept it. I mean, nobody <laughs> just dropped them off. I mean, mm. the fact that chickens can convert what they convert into eggs is pretty much a miracle. Mm. Like, all we're doing is facilitating miraculous conversions, really. And um, we shouldn't really be surprised at the larger landscape, and we should be more optimistic. Um, I, that's how I feel, anyway. I've just realised that I should have been more optimistic all the way. Um, mm. because, and, and, I, and I hope we... YouTube and high def cameras and all the smartphone transfer of info that we have now. Uh, um, the future generations of designers like young Sam here, when he's my age, he'll be miles ahead of me, like five, ten fractals or whatever in front, you know, it's just because he'll be able to see 50 years into the future. Mm. Uh, where all I can give is, you know, I can give my, you know, 38 years of permaculture. And it was pretty slow and rough at the start, and I'm still a rough mainframe designer, uh, really, water access structures and a few other bits and pieces. And if people ask me, you know, what I do, uh, I and they're not interested in permaculture so much, so I usually say I'm, I'm a farmer, um, organic farmer, and they say, oh, what do you produce? And I say, oh, fruit and vegetables, cattle and poultry, and a bit of farm forestry. 
and that sort of means that you know that okay that's 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 simple so when when you are engaging with someone who uh, hasn't heard much about permaculture, um, what what do you try and convey to them when they ask you about permaculture? What what's like the main idea that you convey to them? Then it's a design science, and it's a, a kind of revolution disguised as gardening, um, and it's way more than gardening and farming. It's um, and design science that provides all our needs, including uh, a different way of looking at how you make a living, um, which is not just about how you make money, but how you make a life, a, re- a true life, mm. not one that's anchored to debt and money, but one that's anchored to quality. Um, it's the main thing I try and get across. But we don't have to start talking about, you know, whether marigolds fit with tomatoes. It's more than that. It's uh, it's the the abundance of everything. It sounds like. Yeah, yeah. It's making life easier for you in every way. In the way you design or retrofit your houses so they heat themselves, cool themselves, catch their own water, and can be repaired and renovated indefinitely. The components um, have. Um, Good embodied, embodied energy. You know, the pollution of manufacture is over a, a long time, over their lifetime, and things like that. How you can reduce your energy costs and reduce your travel costs and reduce your requirement for money, and and maybe the way you earn the less money that you need because you've got most of your life is provided for by these wonderful things that you're engaged in. Uh, you can probably make money doing something you love doing, like, I don't know, teaching people to play the guitar or something, whatever you love doing. Mm-hmm. And so do you find that once you get these um, these systems up and running, are, are you are you having to be the more organised type to be like, okay, in, you know, six months we're doing this, in a year we're doing this, in 18 months we're doing this, or do you sort of start to read what's happening and say, okay, this is what I need to do now and and working more closely within that? You have to be disciplined anyway. In, in your, like we, we don't have good disciplines in the uh, modern world. Uh, traditional people have much better disciplines and they're mm. less effective. But... Um, Generally, the planning is uh, automated by your understanding of the seasonal changes. So it's coming to the end of winter. Um, we know a couple of things about what's just about to happen. So mm. we're getting our summer seeds ready. We're ordering right now. Um, we've ordered our summer seed. So we've got seed ready and the seed we've saved, we're, we're ready uh, to start our planning for our first summer crops while winter's still here but finishing. And... We know the tick season is just about to hit really hard. It hasn't yet, but first warm up for the slight winter rain and we're going to have terrible ticks and we're ready because we know about that. Mm. Um, we know that we're coming to the, um, not just the driest time of year, but when the dry time of year gets hotter and is our dry spring. We, we know about these things. Uh, we know if we want to have Christmas watermelons, we need to get them in as early as possible in September. Um, we, we're connected to the, the, the pulses of, of season and the pulses of timed events. You know, like, so you're in the flow. Mm. You're more in the flow. Nobody's an expert surfer of the flow at the moment, at this point in time, with permaculture. But we're all well-intended and we're all loving the journey. And, um, and some of us have a little bit more experience and we can share it with the young ones. That's why I'm sitting here with Sam, because he can give you his opinion. Mm. <laughs> and he's and, and and I can give you mine. So he's giving you the young vegan twenty-year-old view, and I'm giving you a sixty-four-year-old crusty. <laughs> and and that, there you go. That's the diversity. I'm trying to give, we're trying to give you like both ends of the scale, you know, mm-hmm. and everything. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I definitely appreciated both your your points of views. Is there anything that you would want to leave the listeners with uh, to to round it out on the probiotic life? Um, definitely that permaculture is, um, a revolution disguised as gardening, uh, that permaculture is an invitation to change your life for the better and change the world for the better. 
to take conscious decisions in how you design your life and the world around you so that you can create the happiest world possible for yourself and for other people by reimagining um, the potentials of potential yields, potential gains, potential gifts of the world um, so that we can restructure our own uh, situation and the greater worlds. Mm-hmm. I think those are, those are good words to um, mull over. And you, Jeff? Well, I knew he'd say it better than me, really. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I just add, look, if you're not having fun, you've probably got the design wrong. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Rethink. Yeah. It's, not, it's not supposed to be real hard shit. You know, you have a bit of a – you have to chip in a bit, but it should be good fun. And, you know, like you, you've got a lot of food, you've got a lot of fruit, you'll have a lot of friends, so don't worry about it. Well, before we finish up, um, I'll definitely put the links uh, to Zaytuna Farm and Permaculture Research Institute. Is there anything else you want to plug, any books or anything before we finish up? Permaculture Global as well is, is one of our, is our connecting website. Um, keep an eye out for a podcast coming soon. We're calling it the Permaculture Circle. Is that what the podcast will be called? Yeah. Well, it'll be and the other website is Jeff Lawton online. So if you didn't, there's sorry, we got a lot of web presence. <laughs> uh, Jeff Lawton online has uh, about ninety free videos on it, and links you to my Friday Five newsletter, uh, which I put out with five points I think are interesting each week, or books I recommend, or films, or YouTube's, or different funny things interesting in. So Jeff Lawton online. Um, Permaculture Global, and um, and the other two you mentioned, Zaytuna Farm and uh, Permaculture Research Institute. That's how we we try and um, um, share things with people through the internet. Mm-hmm. Well, once again, thank you both for your time, Sam Parker Davies and Jeff Lawton. Thanks for being on the Probiotic Life. You too. Thanks, Ben. Thank you, mate. You're doing a great job. Keep it up. Cheers. There we go. Such an inspiring interview with Jeff and Sam. I really uh, enjoyed talking to them and um, it really painted a picture for me about what permaculture is and, and really how a probiotic life could look, you know, interacting with nature, connecting in with nature. So I'll have all of their links um, up on the show notes. And if you like what we're doing, you can always give us a comment and subscribe to us on your preferred podcasting platform. Once again, hope this was inspiring for you. Thank you for spending time hanging out with me on The Probiotic Life. And may the beneficial microbes be with you. Until next time, cheers. Thank you for listening to The Probiotic Life. You can find us on Facebook at The Probiotic Life, on Instagram, The Probiotic Life, and on our website, theprobiotic.life. 